Would you put up the chorus to Christ is Risen? Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come rise up from the grave. That's not just talking physically. When it says come awake, that's talking spiritually. I want to be awake spiritually. I want to be aware of what's going on in these times that we live in. I don't want to be spiritually dead, apathetic, indifferent, or completely clueless. With my head stuck somewhere spiritually that it doesn't belong. I want to be spiritually awake. The signs of the time would tell you and I, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on. As Pastor Brad said, there's only one cure. Whether it's racism coronavirus take your pick there's only one cure but I want to be awake spiritually I want God to stir my heart up stir my spirit up open my spiritual eyes open my spiritual ears to discern how I need to respond Oh, 
So give us eyes to see and ears to hear you calling. Our hearts respond to your spirit falling. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you calling. Hearts respond to your spirit falling. You're awakening our hearts to your kingdom. Heaven is falling as we are declaring your name. King of glory, come and fill this place. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you calling. Our hearts respond to your spirit falling. Give us to see and ears to hear you calling our hearts respond to your spirit falling you're awakening our hearts to your kingdom heaven is falling as we are declaring your name King of glory, come and fill this place. Fill this place. Only you can.
into the news anymore. I am aware of what's going on, but I'm not going to listen to the doubt and unbelief anymore. And so yesterday I got on the computer to see what the men and women of God had to say. And I got on and I found, um, I hadn't listened for a while, and I uh, logged into, went to YouTube, Dutch Sheets, now, he did a message on May 31st, and I think, if I understand right, it f- just went on Facebook yesterday, is what it looked like to me. I'm not. Anyway, the name of it is Pentecost, the New Era. It's over an hour long. It's pretty long, but my God, get on and listen to it. It is so good. <laughs> it got me all fired up. It It is so good. And he, one of the things he talked about was... We are in a new era, and it's going to be different. And if we try to stay the way it is or the way we're used to it, then that's when religious spirits set in. And we don't want religiosity. We don't want religious spirits. We want to be open to the things of God and what God's doing. So when you play ball... When you go into any game, but especially a big game, you make sure before the game starts you hone all your skills. If it's baseball, you throw some pitches and go do a little batting practice. If it's volleyball, you serve and yeah. If it's volleyball, you serve and hit a few times. You receive. Uh, if it's soccer, I don't know whatever you do. <laughs> you kick whatever. Anyway, you go through and make sure. You're, you're warmed up. Make sure you're on track. You know, you're just fine-tuned. And we are entering the World Series of the Christian life right now. We are actually probably going into the Championship Series of the World Series right now. It's the biggie. And so it's very important spiritually that we make sure that we're warmed up and focused and in the game. And so last week I talked a little bit out in Revelation there's seven churches he, he addresses, and they were seven regional churches, and he, he dresses, addresses each one, but they apply to us. And each one, he, he explains some things, and he makes some corrections, but if you read through those, you can understand or begin to understand what really pleases God. What is he looking for in your life and in the church, the church world, and what displeases him? And last week we read about the church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus had lost their first love. In their serving God, they became to love the works, the programs, the big crowds, the spiritual entertainment more than they loved God. They had a zeal for the things of God rather than a zeal for God. Now, it's good to have a zeal for the things of God but it shouldn't be more so than our zeal and our love for God because the other things should be a byproduct of that love of God. So that's first and foremost. We need to come back to that first love, and you do that by spending time with God, spending time in the word, um, fellowshipping with believers. It's very, very important. He's preached that for years, but at all times it's more important now that we come together as believers because it'll help keep us sharp. It'll help keep us from being deceived. It'll help keep us on track. So that's very important. Now, in chapter 2, verse starting with verse 8, this is the persecuted church. And this is one he really doesn't scold. He encourages. I'll, let me read it to you. It says, And 
to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who was dead, who came to life. I know your works, tribulation, poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are not are Jews and are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer indeed the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and you may be tested and you may have tribulation 10 days be faithful unto death and i will give you the crown of life he who has an ear to let him hear what the spirit says to the churches he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death now this book that i'm reading was written several years ago but he makes this statement he says there are some 200 million christians so many times when we think of the church we think of us this group there are 200 million christians worldwide that's the church we are part of that and they are undergoing most of them are undergoing some form of persecution the united states state department cites over 60 countries where christians face the realities of massacre rape torture mutilation family division harassment and present imprisonment slavery as well as discrimination in education and un- unemployment and even death we don't even get that here and you say well glory be to god Well, you know, a lot of that is because our founders of this nation founded this nation on Christian principles and put a constitution in place that protects us. And we take it for granted. And it's being eroded fast. And we cannot take that lightly. That's why it's so important that we pray. And he does not, he doesn't, correct this church on anything but what he does is encourages them and what does he encourage them to do to stay faithful so of the two churches he wants to be our first love and he wants us to stay faithful and we need to stay faithful in the things of god stay faithful in your giving stay faithful in your fellowshipping together stay faithful in the world word stay faithful to jesus And we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. But I just kind of, as we were sitting there, I just, this was quickened to me because we were talking about going into the world series of our Christian life. Years ago, when I first started playing ball, I had a mentor. She was about 10 years older than me, and she was a pioneer because she, she played before Title IX. She had to tramp out the way because it wasn't easy back then and she was good and she took me under wing and she helped me and they jeered her a lot they did not like seeing a woman that was that good at playing ball and especially when we were beating them well she was the catcher and I was the pitcher and it came to the point they started jeering both of us you know how they do to a pitcher they want to rattle them they want to shake them they want to get in their head And so they started to do that because they knew they weren't going to beat us any other way. (laughs) She taught me to be a little cocky. (laughs) But they were really jeering us bad. And I was young. I was maybe 15. And as we walked off the diamond that day into the dugout, she put her arms around my shoulder and she said, Listen, you've got to realize they never do that to the ones that are lousy. They only jeer the ones that are good. So she says, every time when they jeer you, you throw your shoulders back, you hold your head a little higher, and you pitch a little harder. And, you know, that isn't cocky, but that is what we, you know, last year after the flood, we came through that flood, I told Mike, I said, I just feel like God was with us. And now, you know, the persecution, there's some churches in this nation that are being persecuted right now. We haven't felt it yet. But every time you see those things happening, you realize you throw your head up a little higher and you throw your shoulders back a little further and you say, the greater one lives in me. And we're going to go through this and we're going to win with Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. We win.
have that it just kind of explains the woman that I married. We were playing, playing volleyball in Columbus, and I'd hurt my knee. Some gal really plowed into my knee, and she just says, get him off the court. We got the momentum. Not, oh dear, shall I lay hands on him and pray? Get him off the court. We have the momentum. So they carried me off the court, and I laid there agonizing in pain. Yeah, I was healed through Ed Dufresne's ministry. He laid hands on me at a meeting, and I was healed. But, you know, we men do like a little attention once in a while. Just didn't get a woman like that, but you remember what she said when you play. Amen. Don't let them keep you from kicking that ball in the net. Amen. We're on a subject. Let's put that up, would you please, Caleb? <coughs> on, And it's really in my heart. We've started this in Joshua. You can turn to Joshua chapter 1. But it's really in my heart strong right now about preparing. And we'll be on it for a while. But we said that our purpose is to recognize and embrace God's new season, which we're in. Everything we do in the days ahead depends on Jesus. Amen. Everything, you know, we focus on and we strategize and we pray. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Number three, you're going to have to leave your comfort zone. That's everybody, including the preacher. Oh, real quiet on that one. Number four, it will require courage and obedience. Number five, personal responsibility. That's what we're referring to, to prepare. Number six, separation from the world. And then number seven, expectation of the miraculous. We need to expect a miracle. Wasn't that oral? Expect a miracle. Amen? Now, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Boy, there's a scripture to meditate on. God's not going to leave his people. God is a, a winner, not a loser. And his church is ordained to win. I might not have married a woman that gave me sympathy, but I married a winner. And boy, I tell you, we need that. Amen? Then he says, um, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He repeats it, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Or mean, or in the Bible, in my margin of my Bible, it says have success. I want to be successful, don't you? This is how. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. So what comes before prosperity and success? The Word. Putting the Word in your heart, renewing your mind. Verse 9, have I not commanded... Do you notice that word's mentioned more than once? Commanded you, be strong and of good courage, Harvest Church. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself. Say it. Prepare 
provisions for yourselves, for within three days you'll cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. We said our central truth is this, the believer. Are you a believer? The believer must take personal responsibility to prepare spiritually and in the natural for the greatest outpouring of God's spirit the world has ever seen. Ron Elbin, how many times have people sat in front of your desk and you've realized it just clicked on the inside of your brain? These people have not prepared for anything. Lots of people don't prepare. They don't prepare for the future. And then they get in trouble. Say this with me. Seek His face. Grow in grace. Find your place. Finish the race. We said prepare means to ready oneself for a meeting with a person. Well, Jesus is is coming back for, for his church at the rapture. Amen? He's not coming down on the earth till the second advent. We're going to look up and see him. The ones that are ready are going to look up and see him, and we're going to be gone. The next one, the definition for prepare means set apart or consecrate. So one step in preparing to meet Jesus is to live a consecrated life. That's a, that's a big word, consecrated. We should study that word out. But we need to be prepared spiritually. I have realized Yes, I, I'm, I believe I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm a son of God, so I should be led by the Spirit of God. But I still realize, and I bet you'll say yes to this too, how much does your flesh control you? How many times do you yield and give in to your flesh? Whether it's the way you think, the way you speak, or your actions. Too many Christians are controlled by their flesh. Now, I'm saying, I'm included. We're all, you know, works in progress. But living a consecrated life means putting the flesh down. Your flesh can't control you. Amen? And you might, like she said, you know, I don't listen. To, I just don't listen to Fox News as much as I used to. Because it's the same thing over and over and over. And it just has an effect on your emotions. And see, then you begin to yield to fear and anxiety. You know, we need to live according to the Word of God, and our eyes need to be on Jesus. We can't allow this physical body. You're a spirit, you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. When we're born again, our spirits are recreated. But we still have to deal with the flesh. We still have to renew our minds to the Word of God. But I've realized, boy, there's still areas in my life that could use some help. Is it just me? All of us do. Well, you know, God will honor the fact if you just realize that and begin to make an effort to work on it. Amen? Let's go on, and we're going to talk how to prepare. How to prepare. I won't have you turn there, but we made mention of this. Remember, Zacharias, the angel came and spoke to him and said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him what? What's his name going to be? John. John the Baptist. You know who he is or was? And the scripture that, that I'm, I'm just reading a portion of the scripture in Luke 1, 17, it says, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's where we're at right now. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We said make ready deals with internal qualifications, whereas the word prepared means the external work of grace. So make ready means get your heart 
ready. Amen? This is talking, and this is about every area that's so important is deals with your character. Did you hear me? Your character. Your, are you honest? Are you a person of integrity? If, is your word good? You know, if a Christian gives his word, it should be good. And I've said, if your word's no good, you're no good. Let that sink in. If you promise something to somebody and you don't follow through, you're no good. I can hear Linda Ronstadt singing it. You're no good. You're no good. It deals with being a humble person. It deals with holiness. It deals with obedience. It deals, here's the one we all deal with, your attitude. And the motive of your heart. So this is what we need to get ready. We need to work on getting our heart. Then the word prepared is an external work. This deals with your hands. An external work of grace, bringing the body of Christ together in unity for revival. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it half-hearted. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. This is where you're going to find true meaning in life and true fulfillment. So we have to prepare internally. We have to prepare externally. You need to find your place. You know, at Harvest Church, everybody has a gift. Find out what that gift is and exercise that gift. Amen? Now, let's go on. One way of preparing, and this is, I got a word in my spirit this week, and I didn't like the word tell you in a little bit, but then I figured it was for you and it wasn't for me, so I was relieved. I felt a whole lot better. We need to learn, we need to prepare for the days ahead, how? By flowing in the wisdom of God. It's very important that you and I learn how to flow in God's wisdom. Say God's wisdom. Now, God does not do anything haphazardly or unplanned in any way. He's a God of order, a God who prepares. And he, his people, we should be no different. I gave you a couple scriptures, I'll read them to you. Proverbs 8, 27, referring to Jesus Christ, are the wisdom of God. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Who was there? Wisdom was there. Jesus was there. Psalm 74, 16, the day is yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared... For those who love him, God has prepared things for us, for me, for you, for this church. We love God. Do you love God? Say, I love God. Well, God's prepared some things for you. So he's a God that doesn't do anything in an haphazard, an haphazard way, but he prepares Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if God prepares beforehand, should we? You know, you should prepare. You need to prepare. I need to prepare even before I come to church on Sunday morning. If you just walk in here, get, a, get up, you know, take a shower and eat your breakfast and just get in the car and get here, and you give no thought to preparing. See, I prepare by praying. You want to learn how to prepare, then learn how to pray. And pray God's Word. I sat on the deck at 7 this morning, and I was praying and speaking the Word of God. I speak the Word of God over you. 
I cover you every night with the blood of Jesus Christ. Say, I should prepare by praying. Here's what the Amplified says in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we, should, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Life is just one big preparation. But if anything, I want to in the next few weeks instill into you. I want it to get from here to your head how you need to prepare for the days ahead. We, I wore that bag on my back. That's part of preparing in the natural. Amen? Being ready for things. Now, let's talk about wisdom. The Hebrew word for wisdom, I think there are five, but this is the one that's predominant. It's C-H-O-K-M-A-H. And it has to do with pounding in. Say pounding in. This type of wisdom comes from applying the Word of God to the experience of life. Have you ever gone to the school of hard knocks? What is that? School of experience? That's not the best school, I'll tell you here. It's not the best school. It's the Word of God. Say, the Word of God is a nail. Experience is the hammer. It's the Word of God which we use in the experiences of life which actually teaches us wisdom. Proverbs 1.20 says, wisdom calls aloud in the street. See, wisdom has a voice. And you and I can heed the voice of wisdom every day. Are you listening daily to the voice of wisdom? Now listen to this. The things of God are not conceived intellectually. They are perceived spiritually. The Word of God is spiritual food, and you must feed on it daily. Say, feed on it daily, so you can walk in wisdom. We're talking about preparing for the days ahead by flowing in the wisdom of God. The moment you were born again, you received who? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Bible says Jesus has been made wisdom. He is Proverbs 8. He is wisdom, the wisdom of God. So when you, when you get born again in Jesus and you make him your Lord and Savior, do you have wisdom? Are you sure? Go like this. Let me know you're listening today. You have wisdom. I have wisdom. The moment you and I were born again, we receive wisdom. Now listen, but the wisdom that you need to prepare for the days ahead, the wisdom you and I need for the daily affairs of life, doesn't need to be in your spirit. It needs to be up here in your head. Are you listening? It needs to be in your mind where you will use it. There's Christians out there, they have Jesus, they have the wisdom of God, but they're not flowing in it. They're not using it because they're not renewing your, their minds to the Word of God. Look at Proverbs 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Say, I need wisdom, the wisdom of God in my life to prepare for the days ahead. Proverbs 9, I like this. This is the way of wisdom. I'm going to read it to you in the, the New King James, then I'm going to read it to you from the message. 
This is where wisdom is likened onto a, a feast or a banquet. It says, wisdom has built her house. Now, you got a pen? You got a pen? Do you underline in your Bible or a highlighter? This is what you want, I want you to underline. Has. H-A-S. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished or, furnished or her, arranged her table. She sent out her maiden. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live. And go in the way of understanding. Wisdom's spiritual gifts to mankind, mankind are compared to a great banquet. But when I told you to underline the word has, has hewn, has slaughtered, has mixed, has furnished, I have mixed, what tense is that? It's past tense. That means it's done. That means God's prepared it. He prepares a table for us. Remember Psalm 23? has done this. Now, I went down just a few weeks ago. I've kind of reconnected with an old buddy. We were, we were good friends. Our fathers both had businesses in Fairbury. He said, I had went down to the cemetery, and I says, he says, you just stay the night. I said, that's fine. I'll stay the night. But I, I, I was blown away. He has a beautiful home. But I was humbled by how he treated me. Now, he came up to see us. He had to come to Norfolk. And he brought us. What did he bring us? An insulated bag. Gave us the bag full of meat. Had to be $200 worth of meat. I go down there. And another friend that we used to run with, and this was the weird thing. We sat down, and we were good friends, too. And he says, I got a story to tell. And he says, I'll tell you the story you're going to tell me. And it was the same story. We were good friends. But he had purchased a meat tray that was unbelievable. He had on his counter T-bone steaks. I mean, like that. His mother, who's got to be close to 90 years old, had baked a pie. She's a good pie baker. And so we sat down and had a feast. And then I couldn't even eat half the steak. He says, don't worry. So he went and got another insulated bag the next morning and put the steak in there, put the meat tray in there, and then set home a, a case of Fairbury brand bacon bits. There's a company, oh, they're good, bacon bits. What else did he say? He sent some other stuff. Just everything. He really knows how to be hospitable. But you know what? He gave some thought to this. Just like you give some extra thought if you're going to prepare for company. Well, wisdom has a banquet too. And it's a feast. It's a spiritual feast. But the thing is, you have to make a decision if you're going to sit down at wisdom's table. Ron Elvin, I talked about him in the beginning. He sits behind the desk and he tells people that are what the Bible would call, and there's good people you've had too, so don't be offended. But he's had fools sit on the other side of his desk. Simple-minded people. And he'll sit there, and that's why I've always loved Ron Elvin, because he's like me. It's just, this is the way it is. That's the Marine in him. I should, I'm a spiritual Marine. I'd been, I'd been Sergeant Carter. Remember Gomer Pyle? And he'll tell them what to do, and it goes in this year, and it goes out this year, and then they come back, and their life is still a mess, and they want him to fix it. 
God's speaking to you and I right now, telling us what we need to do for the days ahead. But many of us, it's going in this ear and out this ear. See, the thing that I've told her that I'm concerned is the fact that we've been here too long. I think it's a testimony that preachers can be at the same place. That's a, I've had people say, my God, you've been there that long. But here's the danger. You get too familiar with me. Oh, that's just Pastor Mike preaching on preparing. Well, I'm telling you, it's going to rain. There's going to be a flood. You better prepare. Well, they didn't listen to Noah either. Don't get too, I'm telling my boys this, don't you get too familiar with me. We're still the pastors here. We still hear from God. We still have gifts. Don't get familiar with me or my gift. If you're going to respect anything, respect the gift God put in me. I am not perfect, far from it. I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm still working on me. But if we tell you things, you need to listen. Listen to the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the under-shepherd. You better prepare. If you're young, I tell you, you've got young people here. I'm blessed with young people. Jasmine, did you see the wedding? We watched the wedding, got married. She got married. But you young people, you have dreams and aspirations, and I think that's great. I, I, that's super. But where does it fit into the scheme of things as far as kingdom business? You need to prepare your life for the days ahead for Jesus. And Jesus will use guns, Micah. He's not against them. He put a gift in you. Use those gifts to help mankind, to teach people, women especially, how to shoot. Straight. Hit their target. Robert's getting nervous. He never looks nervous. Jim knows no, he's just steady. It's you and I are the ones that are nervous. <laughs> You and I can sit down at wisdom's table daily and feast on the living word of God so we can make wise choices to help us prepare for the days ahead. It's your choice. Wise people prepare, fools don't. Wise people prepare, fools don't. Wise people prepare, fools don't. What are you? Think about it. Proverbs 21.20 says there's desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. The wise man saves for the future, one translation says, but the foolish man spends what he gets. One of the things you need to do in the days ahead, and this is this years ago, years ago, what the church, especially, you know, Faith Christian Fellowship, get out of debt. We went through John Avanzini, a period where you need to get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. I'm so glad my, my oldest and his wife are bought out of debt with her student loan. Seventy-some thousand dollars, and they just owe a few thousand. Mike is out of debt, and he doesn't really have, owe much. I think one more payment on your pickup. Of course, he keeps buying guns, Ron. Ron says, that's all right. Thumbs up. But you and I need to prepare. And you need to prepare financially. It's liberating to be out of debt. Believe me, I know. It's liberating. Proverbs 30, verse 25 says, the ants are a people. Not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. So we look at this analogy about the ants. What do they do? They prepare. Look at, look at uh, Proverbs 6. One more scripture. Proverbs 6. Go over to Proverbs 6. 
And I'll tell you the word I got in my spirit this week. Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11, and then I realized it was for all of us today. Go to the ant, you... Go to the ant, you... I said slugger, don't slugger. Sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no captain or leader, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your what? Poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. A person who is lazy, say lazy. That's the word I got. For you. Let me clarify that. That word I got from God was for you and me. Lazy. Everyone say it. I know it's hard. Lazy. A person who is lazy, this is a sluggard. A person who is lazy and gives no thought about preparing for the future. They live for the moment, gratifying their flesh. Ants instinctively know what to do. They know when to sow, when to reap, when to store up, when to protect themselves. So should we as Christians. Amen? God will not drop prosperity from heaven on you while you're still lying in the bed. No matter how much you give in tithes and offerings, doesn't make any difference. No matter how much faith you have, no matter how many times you may confess prosperity scriptures, you will never experience true and lasting prosperity if you are a lazy Christian. Now, listen, this is really important. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. You can be lazy in one area of your life and not in another area. You can show a lot of effort in the natural. Maybe you're a good worker. You can run around like Abe and I. We got got energy. But you can be lazy spiritually. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm at a funeral. Get the boxes of tissue out. You can be very industrious and diligent in one area of your life, but you can be spiritually lazy. She's a voracious reader. She reads a lot of books. I've always been, I'll read, but, you know, I'm not the reader she is. I could do better. How about you? I'm going home. Pastor said I'm lazy. No, I didn't. The Spirit of God said we're lazy. Now, you can take that word and you can meditate on that and ask the Spirit of God to show you areas in your life where you are lazy. Lazy people, especially spiritually lazy people that don't pray, that aren't in the Word, that aren't diligent and consistent in spiritual matters, they're going to struggle in the days ahead. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all of us, everyone in this room, we need to discover those areas and then we need to work on them. The Bible talks about, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it to you. Proverbs 12 and verse 27 says this. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. 13.4 says the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. There's some questions that we need to ask ourselves today. Shut your Bible, that means I'm done. Stand your feet, that means you'll get out faster. (laughs) 
you can never say about this preacher that I'm long-winded. I've, I've always been sensitive to you. Probably at times I should have kept you longer. But I've said, if I can say one word today, it's lazy. So what do we do? We ask ourselves questions. Are you taking personal responsibility for your spiritual growth? What are you doing to come and move up another level spiritually? Are you preparing your heart, working on developing godly character? How many? Amen? Are you sitting down daily to partake of wisdom's feast so you'll be ready for the days ahead? Are you functioning in your gifts? You know, we got, I prayed and asked God, I think for three new members. You're one and you're one. And I consider your family, not just you. I asked him for it. Preparing for the days ahead. Now, the thing is, you have gifts. I told you, you married a firecracker. You've got gifts too, and this church needs these gifts. You might be the quiet one, but still waters run deep. There's something in you for the body, and and uh, you, you there's a there's a spiritual hunger in you, and I've seen that from the beginning when people show up and have typed out declarations. When's the last time you brought anything to church? Pastor, I've got these scriptures I'd like to. So that's refreshing. You're kind of quiet too, but you've been around the block just like me. You've come back to wisdom's table. And because of that, your family is going to come and join you. You You just wait. So you've got to discover where do you function in this body. When you're new, you kind of, I don't know where I fit, what I want to do. Well, ask God. And sometimes you just got to do whatever you set your hands to. Then you'll get plugged in and God will start using you. I got off on a tangent. But <laughs> is your mindset one that is preparing for the future? Do you recognize areas of your life that you've been lazy? Let's Shall we pray about it? <laughs> Close your eyes. I've said enough. Let the Spirit of God speak to your hearts this morning to reveal to you areas in your life that you've been lazy and you need to come up another notch. Let's just, let's just pray this together. This is for everyone here. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for being spiritually lazy. Holy Spirit, burn in me the fire of God. Let there be a hunger. Let there be a thirst for spiritual things. The Word of God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Use me, Lord, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Help me find my place and function in my gifts. I will resist laziness in Jesus' name. I'm not a sluggard. I'm a wise child of God. And I flow in the wisdom of God daily because I'm preparing for the rapture. Amen. Does that mean we're being beamed up, Scotty, tomorrow? No.
I don't believe it's going to be for a while, but we need to prepare like it's tomorrow. Amen. Well, I'm happy now. Anybody need prayer for your body? And I'll let you go. Gosh, you're quiet today. Was it all right? I just go. Every time I go home on Sunday, was it all right? You know, because I'll say, well, God, they just look at me like. Do you you want to stand here and do this every week? (laughs) Say, the pastor loves me. He told me the truth. I'll walk in it this week. God bless you. Thank you. Dutch Sheets, Pentecost era. Listen to it. Amen? Thank you.